We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How we doing? It's Thursday. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talk. He's Jesse Styers with everyone's favorite hat that he's wearing tonight. I'm Sean Styers. How's it going? Um, tough, tough five days, but we're hanging in there. <laughs> I tell you what, man. Vince and I—I I think it was yesterday. Vince and I started off talking about the Cubs meltdown two nights ago. Were you watching that live when Suzuki dropped the ball? I figured you probably were. That's why I didn't hear from you yesterday. And then they found they battled back. I know a couple times yesterday, but they found yet another way to lose. I doubt we have a ton of Cubs fans, so we should probably redirect a little bit. We'll save some of that. I know you've got some uh, things you want to vent about in rapid fire in a little bit. First, though, I just want to say, I just got to say, I am two for two in picking the guest pickers for ESPN's college game day. We both got Vince Vaughn last week. What did I say two days ago? Ken Jeong of Hangover fame. He's a Duke grad, and he just announced on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, this afternoon. He's going to be the guest picker this week, the first ever guest picker for a Duke football college game day. Two for two. <laughs> let it be known do they have that on any of the sports books like can you bet that you know like who's going to be the guest picker for game i don't day? think so and i was going to say you have a chance at being three for three but i don't think game day is coming back to south bend for usc so unfortunately. well i'm wondering like if louisville beats nc state this weekend could they go to louisville three straight weekend? has it ever happened have they ever been there for three straight weeks i feel like team? It- I feel like the the chances of that would be very low, but I can't even remember the last time they were at Louisville, probably in the Lamar Jackson days is when my best guess would be. Yeah, I think so as well. Well, we got a lot of different things Notre Dame related to get to starting with some uh, updates from Marcus Freeman from his zoom conference this afternoon. We got some injury updates and we'll just get into them. First of all, He updated Jaden Thomas, who he said earlier this week was questionable with a hamstring. I would still say he's questionable, um, probably questionable, doubtful, because he hasn't practiced yet this week. Um, He's been running, just trying to to see how his hamstring's going, but he hasn't been able to go full speed. So not ruling him out yet, but we got to see what he can do today and maybe a little bit tomorrow. The, The thing about it being a night game, you know, we'll see how it really heals, but he has not practiced um, full speed this week. 
So no practice. Jaden Thomas sounds like, you know, again, questionable, doubtful is what he's saying right now. How big a deal is this, do you think, if Jaden Thomas can't go? Um, I don't think it is as big of a deal as it is on paper. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that he brings is the experience um, and the leadership to a relatively young group. But we've talked about this before. You know, Sam Hartman is, is a guy who just looks for whoever's open. And and it's not like Jaden Thomas was, you know, this guy that was getting eight, seven, eight, nine receptions per game. You know, everyone averages around three, four, five kind of receptions a game type area. And so when you lose Thomas, yeah, it's unfortunate, again, because you lose some veteran experience and some presence. Um, but, you know, Notre Dame has a ton of uh, and, and this goes back to, again, some things I talked about earlier this week of what's impressed me the most about Marcus Freeman is he's got younger guys who have played already. Right. And we've seen them play great house Flores. Um, and, and while the, the the position group is relatively young, they're not young in terms of on field minutes. And so, you know, being prepared for this kind of situation um, is, is definitely beneficial for someone like Notre Dame. And again, Sam Hartman doesn't look at, you know, who you are. He just sees you as another open wide receiver out there. He's just going to get you the ball um, no matter who you are. And so I, I, I almost feel it more of a kind of like plug and chug type situation, you know, and the next plug guy, up, you plug yeah. the next guy in and Sam Hartman's just going to chug the ball to you if it's open. So again, I, it's, it's not a huge deal to me. Um, yeah. I mean, he's a good receiver, but I agree. I, I, but I on paper, that- it's a little bit. You're kind of cutting up a little bit. I don't know if you're hearing me all right, but um, all right, there you are. You 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 kind of froze for a minute. Did I freeze on your end? Yeah, well? I, I just okay. turned my phone off the Wi-Fi, so that might have helped. Okay, all right, sounds good. I I pretty much agree with what what you're saying. Jaden Thomas is a good receiver, but at the same time, I think that they've got the depth and just the way the ball is distributed. I think they'll be okay. Um, I'll save the Dion Colsey comment from Marcus Freeman here for just a second, and I'll just go with Braylon. <laughs> Colsey is going to be out for sure, and again, I'll I'll you know give you more of the details on that in a minute. But the guy everyone's been asking about is Braylon James, the 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 third, really one of four freshman receivers, but uh, KK Smith is already been out and we haven't seen him due to injury this year but uh, of course Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores Jr. have both made their presence known as true freshmen this year and the guy that people have been asking about is Braylon James. I've been practicing with the the, the offense and is, is continuously doing a really good job of getting better and better um, you know so uh, we'll see you know if, if you know his role increases but um, you know I think we, we still have a, a plan to use those guys that we've been playing um, a lot. And uh, um, we'll see if that determines if Brandon's going to play at all or not. So when I hear that, Jesse, I'm not looking looking at much of a presence, I don't think, from Braylon James. What do you think? Is that what you read into that? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Yeah, that's what I read into that. And it, again, it's it's it goes back to, you know, Flores, Great House. There, there's just other guys, younger guys that have kind of, you know, beat out Braylon James at this point in the season. And I think if Braylon James was going to get his opportunity, he needed to be more prepared for his opportunity kind of leading up to this point. I don't think they're just going to throw a freshman into his kind of, uh, you know, his first start, essentially, uh, in, in a situation like this. And so um I don't like, obviously you don't expect for, you know, expect injuries to happen, um, but they have a young core of players already kind of prepared. And again, you don't just throw Braylon James into that kind of situation. Cause that's not setting up Braylon James to be in the best possible scenario, right? Like say he has a horrible game. You don't want that on his kind of psyche going forward of, you know, I, my first game, I, I kind of let the team down, didn't have a great game. And then that's kind of subconsciously in the back of his mind um, kind of going forward. So I, I definitely don't see Braylon James uh, playing, but what I will say is if he did, it would be like the perfect replacement for Jaden Thomas. Like they're basically the same frame, the same build, all of it. You know, one guy's 6'2", the other guy's 6'1", and they both weigh like 205 pounds. So it's like it, it's a comparable, you know, switch if they had to. I just don't see it happening. Crystal says, hot take, great house is better than Thomas in the past game right now. I mean, Thomas has kind of disappeared the last couple of games. He was like Mr. Steady there for a while. Three of the first four games, he had four catches. In uh, each of the games, or I guess it was three catches in three, six, no, four, it was four, four catches in each of the games. He had just one catch for seven yards against Ohio State the other night. Didn't have anything against North Carolina State a couple of weeks ago. At the very least, I mean, Great House has been pretty consistent. And really, Thomas had been Mr. Consistent again through that first three of those first four games. But it's just, I don't know that it's addition by subtraction. I mean, people are being kind of hard on Jaden Thomas, I think. <laughs> you know, he's he's still a pretty good factor in the past game. It's it's just a matter of where the balls are going to go. And I, I agree about Chris Tyree. This is, this is another opportunity to potentially see more Chris Tyree and like swinging it back to the Braylon James stuff. I just think that there are enough other good options Without, you know, when you talk about Chris Tyree and Rico Flores and Jaden Greathouse and obviously Tobias Merriweather being in there as well, it's it, it potentially gives, you know, guys like Tyree and Merriweather more opportunities to see balls come their way. And of course, then you've got the tight ends. You've got two legit threats right. at tight end now as well. And both Holden stays and Mitchell Evans. So I think they'll be I think they'll be OK. I think they'll yeah, be OK and without, without can... trying to push Braylon James up unnecessarily 
And I think that they can, you know, to, to foreshadow here a little bit of, of some stuff I'm going to get into down the road on this show is I, I think that they can get into offensive formations um, that it, it's just naturally you don't need someone like Jaden Thomas on the field, right? Like you can replace him with a, maybe a tight end or a second running back and get into di- some different formations or looks that way, right? Like it, it doesn't need to be instead of forcing someone into, you know, formations that Jaden Thomas was in, why not replace him with a different player and get into different formations that way, I guess is what I'm getting at, right? Like you can well, get into different yeah. plays by getting, you know, a, an extra tight end or an extra running back on the field and, and running plays kind of that way. Or where you're you can, with Tyree and, and Greathouse, you can put either one of them inside or outside. Right. There's a lot of flexibility with what you can do with those guys. So, all right. So I mentioned Dion Colsey. Freeman said earlier this week that he was going to have a knee scope. And I, I asked him if that scope had taken place yet and if that changed anything for Colsey. No, he's getting his knee scope today. And then uh, we'll have a meeting with the doctors to see, you know, we have an idea of, you know, what is wrong with his knee. It's just that we got to get him to feel better. And part of that is to, you know, scope and clean it out. And so, uh, um, you know, I think it's going on now, maybe. I think it's happening as we speak. And so um, we want him to get rest and, and, and start his rehab process and then we'll reassess where he's at mentally and, and physically um, when, the time, when the time comes. So, again, uh, having a knee scope, he had it today, and they're expecting just a couple of weeks, so potentially something along the lines of what uh, like what Gabriel Rubio has, even though Rubio was out for a little bit longer, sounds like they're just going to clean some things up and and uh, they don't think that it's going to take too long to get uh, Deion Colsey back on the field. But obviously the last few weeks, there's been a lot of what happened to Deion Colsey? Why aren't we seeing more of him? And uh, so he's having this uh, knee scope and hopefully he will be back in the very near future. Now, a couple other guys starting with Eli Raridan, are on the comeback trail. Eli it was, is practicing with us now and um, really gaining the confidence that uh, um, he needs to be ready to go. And so um, we have plans for him as long as there's no setbacks to be ready to roll next week. And it was good for him. To, this week was about trying to get in football shape. And um, it, it's, it's a lot easier said than done when you haven't really – um, taking meaningful reps throughout the first couple of weeks of the season. And so he really has done a good job this week of trying to, you know, get that, um, the win that it takes to, 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 you know, really sustain the things we ask him to do um, as a tight end. But uh, it, he's trending really in the right direction. So Eli Raritan coming back and you get Eli back and he's talking about maybe next week you'll have Eli Raritan. So that would give you Raritan as well as Holden stays and Mitchell Evans. And of course, Davis Sherwood for some other duties as well. They officially list him as a tight end, even though you, you, he's he's kind of used more as an H back blocker type guy. But yeah, I mean, but that gives him a pretty close to a full complement of tight ends. Obviously, Kevin Bauman is is out for the season with an unfortunate knee injury. But you get Raritan back, and and uh, that gives you even more potential options going forward. Yeah. And, you know, it will be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. Right. Because you've started this rotation between Stays, um, Evans and Sherwood. Um, And I would say, you know, if if you went down the line, like Stays is a better pass catcher than Evans. Evans is a better blocker than Stays. 
Um, but but I think what had people the most excited about Raritan is he's a nice hybrid of the two. He's a good blocker, and he also has very good hands. And so what I would be interested to see is what that would lead to, right? Like, is it more of a rotation between those guys, or are we looking at more 12 sets and 13 sets potentially on the field because you have, you know, another tight end back? And I'm not saying that that's what I want, but I'm just curious, <laughs> you know, what the, the coach is thinking would be. Where does he fit in, right? Like, again, is it more – like if the tight ends are looking to get 30 snaps now, do stays, um, you know, Raritan and Evans all get 10? Or are you looking at, again, ways to get multiple or maybe all three of those guys on the field at the same time? What does yeah. that look like, essentially? I mean, there's already all these different personnel groupings. I mean, just look at Notre Dame's last offensive possession last week and the different groupings that we saw out there with the stuff that they were trying to do. It's like they throughout half the playbook <laughs> in those last few plays. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the most reliable play was just hand the ball to number seven. But that only happened once, as we all know. Final guy we're going to talk about is linebacker Nolan Ziegler. This was a guy coming out of spring that there was a lot of kind of hope and some hype around, but we haven't seen him because of a personal issue. But here's what Marcus Freeman said about him today. Eli was is practicing with us now, and um, really gaining the confidence that uh, um, he needs to be ready to go. And so, um, we have plans for him as long as there's no setbacks to be ready to roll next week. And it was good for him. To, this week was about trying to get in football shape, and um, it, it's it's a lot easier said than done when you haven't really. Um, taking meaningful reps throughout the first couple of weeks of the season. So he really has done a good job this week of trying to, you know, get that, um, the win that it takes to, to, <laughs> to, you know, really sustain the things we ask him to do um, as a tight end. But uh, it, he's trending really in the right direction. And Nolan, it was great to have him back out there this week. Um, he, he's progressions into some scout team and, uh, you know, individual drills. And um, he's on a track to, to return. Um, and so, again, as long as there's no setbacks with those individuals, both of them, I could see, you know, Eli for sure, um, hopefully next week could see him in there. And then with Nolan, we'll see how, you know, at the end of this week, how he continues to progress. But he is really trending in the right direction. Big news, potentially getting uh, Nolan Ziegler back. This is a guy who's long, rangy, very athletic. Now, obviously, he's got to get back into shape because he did miss all of training camp, and he's he's just getting back in there. But, uh, you know, like we were seeing him in, in Notre Dame's dime packages, sub packages and stuff like that in the spring, arguably more athletic than any of the linebackers they have out there right now. So my curiosity is, is really peaked for potentially seeing some Nolan Ziegler here, maybe within a couple of weeks, the way Marcus Freeman's talking. Yeah, and again, it's it's nice to have you know more depth at any position, um, and especially for someone like Nolan Ziegler because of what you talked about, what he offers athletically, um, quickness and range and, and that kind of stuff. So you, you would definitely see him in a lot of you know nickel and dime type packages where you want a more athletic linebacker on the field. Um, and I thought it was funny that uh, Marcus Freeman said he's not in uh, football shape yet, and I got a, I got a chuckle out of that because what he essentially means is he just hasn't run around in pads for like two months. Like it's different. More than two months. It's been it's been since the spring, basically. Yeah, so. it's different. Like you, anyone can you know go run around and especially these these guys, right? They're they're fit, they're in shape. You can go run around at any time, but when you put on helmets and shoulder pads and you're going through drills and going through 
you know, uh, different periods of practice, like it, it's, it's a different kind of um, conditioning. And so I just think he needs to get used to feeling those, you know, the weight of his equipment basically on him again uh, and, and feeling comfortable moving around in his, in his shoulder pads and helmet and everything else. I'm glad that everyone's enjoying the WKRP shirt today. I appreciate that. Uh, the Les Nesman stuff, that might be a little too far. But uh, Les Nesman with my Buckeye Newshawk Awards <laughs> out here for the uh, for the annual turkey drop because, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. That's right, man. I thought turkeys could fly. Good stuff. All right, so asked about Duke's turnover margin, plus five this year. It was plus 16 last year. That has been a big part of the Mike Elko resurgent. Here's what Freeman had to say about the Duke defense they'll see this weekend. Really sound in terms of what they do defensively. Um, You know, the ability to have eyes on the quarterback and eyes on the ball and the ability to really – um, when you're sounding what you do and your players truly understand what, what you're asking of them, they can really study routes and study splits and, and, and those type of things. And so um, they're a really good group. And I think you look at that turnover margin and, and one, it's credit to their offense, right, and not not turning the ball over a lot. And uh, two, um, their defense plays really hard. And um, when you play really hard and you're sound, um, those opportunities really come your way. So there's Marcus Freeman talking about that Duke defense. And uh, Jesse, you've got your whiteboard ready to go. And I do see some of these questions that are coming in here. I'm going to save some of them for uh, rapid fire in a little bit. But uh, for starters, some of your thoughts on this Duke defense. So much of Duke's success is predicated on the turnovers. Again, they were plus 16 in turnover margin Last year, they're tied tied for ninth in the nation right now at plus five. They have gained eight turnovers, and they have lost just three turnovers so far through their first four games. Yeah, so, you know, just kind of some some background or notes on Duke. It's another 4-2-5 defense. Um, That's something that Notre Dame shouldn't be, you know, surprised by. They they went against it last week. They played against it against Tennessee State. Um, It's just a very kind of common defense um, you know, in, in college football these days. And I, I would say the thing that makes um, and watching, you know, the, the main games I watched were Clemson um, and Northwestern. I didn't get too caught up in uh, Connecticut or I think it was like Lafayette State or yeah, Lafayette or Lafayette. something like, yeah. you know, those those games really don't show you much because they're playing inferior opponents. Right. And so, again, I looked at Clemson. I looked at um, Northwestern, even though they blew Northwestern out. It, it was, you know, relatively close, you know, first half um second half is really when Duke kind of opened that game up but I I I would just say that their defense like Marcus Freeman said is is a very like sound defense right and I think that's what makes them really good as they know their assignments um and and again they do a lot of stuff to disguise is what I noticed as well like in obvious passing downs they like to bring up you know kind of similar what to to what Notre Dame does with Maris and Bertrand right like they bring both of those linebackers up to the line of scrimmage um, and, but more often than not, they're going to drop two of those guys off. You just don't know who those two guys are um, and, and where they're going to be dropping to, right? Like maybe the linebackers are dropping, maybe the defensive ends are dropping. Um, I mean, I saw some defensive tackles drop at some point. And so, again, I, I think what makes Duke um, really... something something that we've said that you know we kind of wish maybe Notre Dame would do more of from time. Yeah, to time. it just it's a lot of it's a lot of like eye candy. It's a lot of getting you to think a little bit more. Um, but Duke still, like themselves, they, they play very fundamental um, sound football. 
And I don't know if you know this, but their defensive coordinator, um, Santucci is his name, last name, Santucci. This is his first season as the Duke defensive coordinator. Um, he was with Elko at Texas A&M. Um, and before that, he was a defensive analyst at Notre Dame in 2017. So uh, a little bit of a background to Notre Dame. He's obviously uh, followed you know, Elko to Texas A&M. And then mm-hmm. Elko kind of poached him here recently to be his his defensive coordinator from Texas A&M. So um, a, a lot of what he does obviously mirrors kind of, you know, Elko, Elko's um, philosophies and, and, you know, kind of overall thought process about defense. But um, I thought Marcus Freeman hit it really on the head when he said that it, it, they're just a team that knows their assignments and they, they, they just like, they, they study the game of football almost, right? Like they, and, they know kind of based off of, they, they give themselves a good advantage of, knowing if you line up in this formation or this split or, you know, maybe the slot wide receiver is split out two extra yards. They have a good idea of tendencies and plays are to come. So they do a lot of stuff pre-snap to really help themselves out. They're smart guys. They're Duke guys. I, I, I think that that's a big part of it. Just like Al Golden loves Notre Dame's players because they're so smart in the things that they can absorb and, and things like that. They're not going to be as fast and probably athletic in some spots as right. North Carolina State was. Right. But like Marcus Freeman said, they're going to play hard and they're smart. Yeah, and you can you can make up a little bit for doing the stuff that you're talking about if you know if you know your opponent inside and out and what is likely to happen in certain situations, you can gain a step to a half step yeah. in the right direction and find yourself in the right position to make a play. And that's, do you have anything? Do you have anything to whiteboard on Duke's defense? <laughs> did you bring some whiteboard or what? Yeah, I did bring some whiteboard. I um, let's let's go into Notre Dame offense and uh, Duke defense. Let's just kind of get after it here a little bit. I I um, the way I, there's always a, a means to method for kind of what I'm looking at, and I would say today. My means of method is I really like some stuff that Notre Dame showed in the second half last week, um, and, and knowing and watching um, and watching some of the film on Duke. I think they're vulnerable up the middle. Okay. I think that Notre Dame can accomplish a lot with with running the ball just right up the gut. They um, do not have a great run defense. That is like when yes. you talk about the Achilles of this defense. It's it should be against the run that should be a big advantage for Notre I think Dame. their linebackers are a little undersized um and I think Notre Dame's offensive linemen match up well with them of just being athletic and being able to to get up to the second level um on, on these linebackers but Notre Dame should make their hey running the ball a lot this weekend I I really don't trust um I really don't trust the the, the 4-2 defense in their inside six um and again what what do we talk about with the 4-2-5 defense is you have to displace some linebackers and get some, some good numbers um, in the box. And so this play right here, um, this was a play that Notre Dame got into, into the second half against Ohio state that had a lot of success. Um, And I think if it can work against Ohio state, um, you can, you can do things to make it work against Duke. Um, And then I'd like to kind of get into like how you can disguise this a little bit, right. And other things that you can run off of it. So uh, give me some time here and I think we're going to have some fun. So this is, 21 personnel, two running backs, um, one tight end. This ball is on the right hat or yeah, right hash. Um, quarterback and shotgun, uh, running back on both sides of him. 
and then the tight end is to the field side, and then you have one wide receiver to the boundary, um, and then one wide receiver to the field side as well. In this instance, this was Devin Ford and Jeremiah Love. Um, and, and again, the reason why I like this play is just how effective it was in the second half of using two backs. And the reason why the two backs worked, in my opinion, is because you have one is kind of like a lead blocker um, through the hole, right? And so even though you're going two backs, it's kind of like you're using one of the backs as like a decoy or kind of like a fullback, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of leading up through the hole. And so um, you can kind of already see here, here are, this is how Ohio State lined up. I don't know how, um, how Duke necessarily would line up, but I'm sure that they've been studying, you know, this look kind of throughout the week. Um, but again, the reason why I like this is because right now you have, you have seven guys for six guys um, in the box, right? And so you have an extra hat. And so um, the tight end is kicking out on the defensive end. The right tackle is kicking out on the defensive end. Uh, the left tackle is immediately working up to uh, the field side linebacker. And then the left guard and center are kind of combo blocking or, or double teaming um, this, this, this defensive tackle. Um, and then the right guard is reaching up to the other defensive tackle. And then uh, in this case, Devin Ford is leading right through the hole and sealing off this linebacker. And then Jeremiah Love just has, a, again, a nice, easy lane um, until he gets almost to the third level where these safeties are. It, it should be wide open. Right. And so I, I Notre Dame had a ton of success running this last week against Ohio State um, late, you know, third and fourth quarters. And I think it opened up some some of the rest of their offense for him. Um, but this is, again, a, a big look that I would like them to, to show again is this 21 personnel, uh, because, again, you have seven players for six guys in the box. Right. And so if yep. teams want to play this four two look with two linebackers and only bring two linebackers into the box. Well, Notre Dame should take advantage of that fully. Um, and so, yeah, this is. This is a nice run look that I think, again, the reason why I like this is because it's 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 a power look right through the middle, but you're kind of, you know, you're, you're giving it a little bit of window dressing by coming out in two backs, right? Like you wouldn't expect a power look out of a two back set, in my opinion. And so, yeah, power look, but you're running a speed guy right through that hole with a lead blocker up there. And like Stymie says, maybe a good, uh, good week. A prop bet on <laughs> Jeremiah Love to score a touchdown. Yeah, I expect so. if they ran for 175 last week, I, I think they could get 250 this week against Duke. I really I do, do think that um, as right. a team. What else you got? Yeah, so this that was, again, a, a 21 look. Uh, the next look that I want to get into is uh, – give me a second. Here it is. Um, this is on surface, a, um, just a 10 personnel, right? Or yeah, 10 personnel, uh, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> ball center of the field. Uh, you have one wide receiver split out to the right. Also with the running back out to the right. And then you have a trips kind of bunch formation, um, to the other side of the field. And why I like this formation so much is because this gets into so much of what Notre Dame uh, likes to do. And uh, I, I'm just going to refer to this as a point, uh, like a, a, a bunch point or a okay. bunch triangle. I don't know how else to really explain it, but you have like a point man, right? Like you have the two guys and then you have one guy in the middle of them kind of three, four yards off. Um, the reason why I think this is something that can be advantageous to Notre Dame is because I would love this person to either be uh, Mitchell Evans, Holden stays or any of the other running backs. Um, because what you can do is immediate, and they did this a little bit actually against Ohio State, is you can bring this guy into motion, and if it's a tight end, he can just become an H-back on the end line of scrimmage. 
Um, but then if it's a running back, he can he can just motion into the backfield, and now we're again into a two back look, right? Mm-hmm. And so th- I think this is a, a, another advantageous uh, formation for Notre Dame because you can get into a lot of different things. Like you you can bring this guy into motion across the whole line of, uh, across the whole formation. So now maybe you know we're we're two by two on each side. Uh, maybe this is Chris Tyree, and we give it to him on a jet sweep on one of these plays. Uh, maybe you fake a jet sweep and you allow Chris Tyree to work up the seam or work off into the flat, depending on what the coverage gives you. Um, and, and then again, if it's not Chris Tyree, maybe maybe Jeremiah Love is in the backfield and this is Jadarian Price or Devin Ford who's coming into motion. And again, you bring him in motion and now here he is in the backfield. And even if you're not using him as a runner, you can use him as a lead blocker on the edge. To, to seal off the edge, you can lose, use him as a lead blocker through the hole. Um, and then, and if it's not a running back, now you can look into again it, an, another H back. Maybe it's, you know, uh, Mitchell Evans holding stays. Uh, but they're again, they're on the end line of scrimmage, and you get into another look that allows you to get into like a, a power look, a power run look, just by bringing a guy in motion, right? Because it's like you can basically spread him out here with this look. And then bring it all, depending on what they give you, maybe you motion that guy into the backfield and get into more of a power look. But I think the the main thing I like about it is just the amount of options that it gives you just by bringing one guy um, into motion, right? Like that's, that's the main thing to me is you can, you can give one look and then get into a completely different look just by bringing one guy into motion. And again, the versatility of who this could be, it could be Chris Tyree, it could be a running back, it could be a tight end. And depending on who it is, you can get into three different, you know, completely different kind of offensive plays. And that's what Um, I like is the versatility it gives you just based on depending on who that guy happens to be that you're bringing in motion. Right. And it's so easy because say, say you don't like, maybe you line up in this and you like the look and you could just literally run, you know, whatever concept you were thinking about running. uh, And then immediately, you know, Sam Hartman doesn't like it. All right. Motion out here. And then let's see what they give us then. And and when you bring a guy like this in motion, you can get a tell of what the coverage is doing too. So mm-hmm. like, there's just so many things that you can do by just bringing one guy in motion, depending on who they are. Right. And that's like, I, I, there's just so many layers you can add uh, to the offense by, by getting into this look, in my opinion, I really liked what they did against Ohio state because this was Mitchell Evans. They brought him in motion and then he was just, you know, a lead blocker, right? Like he, I think what they did is they brought him in motion and then one of these guards pulled and then Mitchell Evans came across and it was like a power run, you know, off on the perimeter type situation. But there's just so many, again, to emphasize, there's so many things that you can accomplish by just lining up in one formation. All right. Anything else? That That's going to do it uh, for me offensively um, okay. for Notre Dame. So um, I have just a couple things to go over in terms of Riley Leonard. Um, and kind of, you know, this Duke offense and, and really what Notre Dame should kind of expect um, out of this. But I would say that Duke love Duke is very similar to Notre Dame, in my opinion, of kind of their offensive philosophy um, and some of the formation tendencies that they get into. They love, 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 love 11 personnel. Um, and they also love some 12 personnel too, right? Uh, but the main thing they do with 11 personnel is they allow their tight end to be an H-back um and so that that h-back is is right here um and then sometimes too they'll get into 12 personnel and maybe bring in one of these wide receivers make him a tight end um but to me their bread and butter is 11 personnel just because 
I think they like the versatility um, that it gives Riley Leonard because I, I, it, again, this is an exaggeration, but I felt like every play was some sort of fake handoff or it was a handoff or like an RPO. Look, everything revolved around putting that, that, that ball into the belly of the running back and then kind of going from there. Right. And then, again, using um, this H back as a lead blocker. So if you see an H back at 11 personnel, watch this guy and he'll take you to the run play nine out of 10 times, wherever he's going is likely where the running back is going. Um, But in terms of Riley Leonard, I don't really respect him as a, as a, as a true passer. Um, I think he's, he's, he's all right. Like I'm not going to say he's bad, but to me, it felt like a lot of when, when they were doing like straight pass plays, um, no run action involved at all. It was Leonard gets the ball one, two drop. And if his read isn't there, he's, he's quickly looking at a first read. If the first read isn't there, he's probably not going to throw it. If the second read isn't there, he's definitely not throwing it. And then at that point, he's just tucking the ball and running after that. He's, he's not going to sit in the pocket for a really long time. Again, it felt like it was just boom, one, two, drop. Let me look at my first read. Okay, first read isn't there. Let me look at my second read. And then there's no waste of time. He's tucking that ball down, and he's running it. And- so let me stop you there real quick before you get carried away. So what are the – what? Does that present a bigger challenge, do you think, for Notre Dame defensively than they had against Brennan Armstrong a few weeks ago, another mobile quarterback? Is it a, is it a bigger challenge in comparison? How similar is it? I think that Riley Leonard is a better quarterback than Brennan Armstrong. Okay. Um, I think Brennan Armstrong had more talent around him in terms of wide receivers. I agree. But I and I, I don't think Riley Leonard has like wide receiver studs per se. I, I think Duke is a run first team, to be honest with you. Um, they're they're a run first team of whether or not they give the ball to their running back, and then whether or not Riley Leonard's gonna run. Like Riley Leonard had 13 run attempts against Northwestern. And then against Duke, he had like like eight, nine, or ten rush attempts. Like he was the leading rusher in one of those games as well. And so I just think a lot of their offense runs through Riley Leonard. I think he's a better complete quarterback than Brennan Armstrong, but I think Brennan Armstrong had better uh, tools around him to, to at his disposal, right? And so I think more – I guess what I'm getting at is <clears> – <throat> excuse me. If you shut down Riley Leonard, I think you shut down like 75 to 80% of Duke's offense. I agree because, like, you look, they rank – I think it's in the mid-70s, around 75 fourth maybe if I remember right in terms of yards per reception it's only 11.9 yards per reception if you compare it to Notre Dame Notre Dame is a uh, 15 yards per reception so they're yeah, and not we, and we complain that they don't have enough downfield shots as is as well so imagine yeah. what that looks like for Duke <laughs> exactly exactly so you know like like Lamrec here says that means playing them straight up should equal a Notre Dame win no need to blitz play man tight coverage in the ball. I mean, that's part of the, I mean, do you agree with that? You know, because typically if you're talking about a quarterback who's going to tuck it and run, you don't want to play a lot of man because you got guys looking the other way, running downfield away from him. How are, how do you, how do you kind of balance that? Do you think? Yes. I mean, because just, just athletically, I, I don't disagree in terms of 
Notre Dame secondary and linebackers versus Duke's skill position guys. I agree. You know, Notre Dame definitely matches up and can take them man to man. But how do you balance that with a quarterback who wants to run so much? Yes, I think what you do um, is you get into like um, like a like like some cover one man, maybe some cover two man type situations. Uh, because again, Riley Leonard, like if, if his first and second reads aren't there and his wide receivers are like 10 yards down the line, like down the field, he's not going to throw that ball. Right. And so what do you do is you kind of, I think what you need to do is you need to press up on these wide receivers a little bit. Cause if they're going to run so many, you know, a lot of routes I saw are just like, you know, slants over the middle, maybe some, you know, eight yard, eight, 10 yard. And like, it's not a lot of, you know, deep balls. And that's exactly what you were saying. Like they average only like 11 yards per play in terms of passing. But if you bring these defensive backs up and you press them off the line of scrimmage, I just think it, it speeds up Riley Leonard um, even more and you make him have to make a decision now. Um, and, and then you just have basically these trio of linebackers who are kind of, you know, not QB spies, but in the back of their mind, like if, if one guy's dropping to the flat, another guy's dropping to this flat and this guy's kind of middle, you know, hook to curl, um, and, and Leonard goes to his passing route. Well, you just got to tell these guys to kind of, you know, always keep a mindful eye of Riley Leonard as the play is starting to break down, because there's no reason that these three linebackers can't converge on Riley Leonard at any at any given point um, yeah, on this, Saturday. This with what I was just thinking, kind of this same thing. You got to tackle. You got to tackle. That, because, and that was going to be my because if you're not tackling is, and your and your secondary is playing, man, that's going to lead to big runs. Right, for Leonard. And so, and you know, Notre Dame got hit hard last week in the broadcast about talking about all their missed tackles, their arm tackles, etc. And Riley Leonard's a big boy. Like that guy run, not a big boy, but he he runs with like a running back. Like he's he's not shying away from contact, right? Like like if he's in the open field, he's going to lower his shoulder and get three to four more yards rather than kind of slide down. That's what I mean by Riley Leonard's a big boy. Like he's he likes to run and he he's not afraid to put his foot in the ground and put his shoulder down and get those extra yards. And so you have to be very sound um, in tackling. And so what that, what that means to me is Notre Dame just puts themselves in too many situations where one guy is trying to make a tackle. What I would like to see more of, and I'm just going to move some guys around here a little bit. It's not going to look right. Um, but this is just kind of imagining like the play has broken down a little bit, right? What I'd like to see more of Notre Dame do is if these are two linebackers here trying to make a play on the on the quarterback, um, you know, say pockets broken down and he's running here a little bit this way. Why don't these guys work more in tandem together of leveraging them inside to one another? And so now instead of taking on this quarterback one v one, you're leveraging him or funneling it to each other essentially, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're working that upfield shoulder, that upfield shoulder. And now we're making a gang tackle on a really good athletic or really athletic, you know, mobile quarterback rather than one guy flying in, trying to make a, you know, a running tackle. Just slow down a little bit, set your feet and then funnel this play right back to each other and give him nowhere to run. I think that's the biggest issue is these linebackers try to make these, you know, heroic tackles almost. It just funnel the slow down and funnel the ball to each other. Right. Like it's OK to give up maybe two, three yards uh in, in terms of running the ball but you can't give up the the big 10 15 yard chunk play when you miss a tackle all right anything else you want to get to we're on a little bit of a time crunch so we need to kind of keep moving here was there anything else specifically that you wanted to hit 
I think that wraps it up for me. Okay. We're not Marshall says, I just want Maris to do something. The guy is physical specimen. He's been used in so many bad spots at Notre Dame. He'll be a better pro sad. I mean, I realize he didn't have a great game against Ohio state last week, but he is still among the top tacklers, even though he is not, he did not. So his play has been better. It was not, it was not up to standard last week, but it has been better. this year. I I'm think Maris is the, if, if you're talking about a guy who's the best suited for a Riley Leonard game, it, it's Maris Leofel. To be honest with you, it's just a matter of, can he execute it? Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.